Before there was a was, before the dawn of time, before the fabric of the fourth dimension of time was created, which is a contradiction. Before there was a was, I was. Before there was a was, I was with God. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, but we would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's get it away with today's message from Pastor Michael Oxentenko. It is the first portion of the Messiah story. Again, the first portion of the Messiah story. We'll conclude this message the next time we get together. And thank you for listening each and every day. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Lord, we want to be saved, and to be saved means to be healed. And we're broken people in this world. We don't make it to God's kingdom because we can fix ourselves or heal ourselves. And I know from personal experience, Lord, when I'm sick, when I've been real sick, I could remember every sin I ever committed. Father, thank you for the promise in Scripture that you heal all our diseases and you forgive all our sins. And you say it in the same sentence. So we'll know how you feel about it. Lord, we need endurance to have hope until the end. May we rely, O Father, on the promise and the oath, the double guarantee in Hebrews 6. And Lord, for our faith, thank you for the anchor of the living Christ who has gone as our high priest beyond the veil. So bless us as we open the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is The Messiah Journey. Friend, before there was a beginning, there was Messiah, the anointed one, the one who was poured out by God as God's Messiah. Not our Messiah, God's Messiah. The one who started his journey as the Amen, the beginning of the creation of God in the Messiah journey. Now we often say Amen at the end of our prayers. How many of you are used to saying Amen? In fact, I like it when I hear someone say, in Jesus' name, Amen, because it's a lot better in thy name, Amen, because God says we need to pray in Jesus' name because there's no other name in heaven and earth whereby we can be saved. It has the greatest authority in the universe. The name of Jesus invokes the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We say at the end of our prayers. And when we do this, we mean to say, let it be so. Amen means yes, yeah, it's going to happen. The Hebrew verb behind amen means to be firm or to support. So when you say amen, you mean it's real. Yeah, it's hanging in there. It's strong. The Hebrew word for truth, which is emmet, comes from the verb behind the word amen. So in a sense, amen means it is true. In the Bible, all that is, the whole universe, friend, it came into existence because of God's Messiah, who is the Amen, the beginning of the creation of God. 
In Revelation 3.14, Jesus introduces himself to the church of Laodicea. Now, we are living in the Laodicean era. The seven churches of Revelation represent seven distinct phases of Christian history. We have come to the lukewarm phase of the Christian church, where the people of God who possess the prophetic message for our time are lukewarm. The word Laodicea can mean people of righteousness or people of the judgment, and we are both. And yet to be righteous, you cannot, unless we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so Laodicea is a bankrupt church. It's a church that glories in what it can do, but it doesn't know the living person of Jesus. And thus it is wholly unfit for the second coming of Christ, unless Christ be formed within. And so Christ comes to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3.14. And he's speaking to us when he says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Boy, there's so much in this passage. It's saying who Jesus is, both as Alpha and Omega, and who he is in between. This name, Amen, that Jesus takes upon himself right here in the book of Revelation. He says, I am the Amen. That's a name. I'm revealing my name to you now, to you latest seeing Adventist Christians at the time of the end. I am the Amen. And this name, Amen, that Jesus takes upon himself here, in the book of Revelation, is how the book ends. It ends with amen, amen, twice. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen, amen, twice. Jesus will come again. Amen. Jesus is with us, full of grace. Amen. Turn to Revelation 22, 21 and 22. Here's the end of the book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I'm coming soon. That's Jesus, the true witness. Amen. There it is. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Now, Jesus says, I am the amen. I mean, amen is not just something you tack at the end of your prayer. It's who I am. It's my name. I am the amen. Christ is coming, and John says amen. But Jesus is already here by the grace of God for the good of all the saints. And then he ends the book by saying amen. We are looking for the second coming of Christ. But friends, we are rejoicing that Christ is here by the Holy Spirit. We can have a vital relationship with him on the journey to the second coming. Jesus started the Messiah journey in the Bible as God's amen. And before he was named anything else, Jesus was the amen. He confesses to the Laodicean church, I am the amen, the beginning of the creation of God. Now the Greek word for beginning in Revelation 3.14 is arche. And it is used in Genesis 1.1 in the Greek Old Testament. It's also used in John 1 verse 1. I'll just kind of mouth it here to you. In arche theos. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In our kehen halagos, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In our in the beginning. Jesus is the Amen. He is the Arche, the beginning, the origin of the creation of God. Thus, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end. Now, you think of ending something by saying amen, but the Bible says we begin with amen because Jesus, as the amen, he represents the bookends of history and time and space. The great name, amen, for Jesus in Revelation 3.14 finds its Old Testament source. I've been trying to figure out, where is he getting this from? Where in the Old Testament do we have Jesus as the amen? It really brings us to Proverbs 8, which is at the very center of our Bibles. 
Some very profound Bible scholars, Dr. Richard Davidson at our theological seminary, has posited correctly that Proverbs 8 is the center of the canon. That God intended that this chapter represent the focal point of the Old and the New Testament. And so it stands at the linguistic, thematic center of the Bible, arranged supernaturally by God. I mean, some people say, what do you mean, center of the Bible? Isn't our Bible made up of a bunch of books here and there? Our Bible is intentional in its final form. The great God of the universe, through the living and abiding power of Christ, carried the Bible to the exact order and form we have in the last days as the Word of God to prepare the world for the coming of Christ. So yes, there is a center to this thing. Proverbs 8. Let's look at verse 22. I'm going to read down to verse 32 to capture it. Actually, I'm going to read down to verse 31 and capture it. The Lord created me. Now, the Hebrew is kanah. He possessed me. He owned me. I was there. I was his possession. At the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped. Before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him. You should underline that verse. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the sons of men. Verse 30 is the center of our Bible. Proverbs 8.30, the Hebrew says, Then I was beside him. And then the Hebrew word that follows, that is translated master workman here in the Revised Standard Version, That word is amon. It's just another way of saying amen. Amon. Has a different vowel pointing. Amon. I was delighting day by day, laughing before him literally in all the time. I was in time beside the God, the creator of the universe. And my name is Amon. Amon. The master workman. The Ammon in Proverbs 8.30 is the person at the center of the Bible who made the universe, who is wisdom that God possessed forever from the dawn of time. The Hebrew word Ammon in Proverbs 8.30 comes from the root word for amen. Amen, Ammon, I mean, it's just a vowel difference. Ammon can be translated as an architect or a master workman, kind of like a carpenter who is real good at getting the job done. One who can design something and build something. The Amon, the architect, the master workman. The Amon was the engineer, the architect of the universe. In fact, Peter will say that you killed the architect of life. Christ is the architect. The master workman of all creation in the beginning, before the beginning of space and time. And that's why Christ comes to the Laodicean church. So stuck on itself. And he says, I am the amen, the beginning of the creation of God. The Hebrew verse 22 says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning as I brought out. That means God's wisdom is not just some idea. 
It's not an impersonal agent, as Hegel, the philosopher, postulated. And Einstein said, yeah, there's a God out there. He's just a pure principle of thought, but not personal and uncaring. No, God's wisdom, who is a person as the Amon, was always with God before all time. And I have to say amen to that. Jesus is the amen. This is brought out in verse 23 where it says, Before the beginning of the earth, literally, I was poured out like a drink offering. That's the Hebrew. Verse 25 says, Before the mountains, literally, I twirled, I danced. Me and God. Wisdom and God, me and God, we had this thing together. As God together we were because we are both God and we each love God. And in the creation of the earth, we were caught in a love dance to make it all happen. We twirled, I twirled in his presence. Creation is a divine dance with joy and laughter in the beginning with God. Now, the latest in church. It's so lukewarm, it can't get happy in church. It can't rejoice and be spontaneous. It's stuck on minor keys instead of major keys. It doesn't realize that we have a reason to praise the living God because of who Jesus is. The wisdom of God, the Amon, the primordial architect danced, twirled in the presence of Almighty God in the love exchange that created the universe. I get awed by this picture. Proverbs 8.23 literally says, From eternity I was set up, from the first, before the beginning of the earth. Now, according to the book of Hebrews, Christ created the eons. Hebrews 1.3. The word eon means time ages. One profound Bible expositor said this is Einstein's fourth dimension of time and space. They call it space-time in physics. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Before there was a was... You say, now we think of the past as always existing, but no. Before there was a was, before the dawn of time, before the fabric of the fourth dimension of time was created, which is a contradiction. Before there was a was, I was. Before there was a was, I was with God. Before there was a was, I was his lover and his friend. We danced, we twirled in the exchange that gave rise to the light and glory that created all things. Friends, we danced in the light, he is saying, wisdom is saying, at the dawn of time. And I was God's joy at the dawn of time. Proverbs 8, 30 again, 31, Then I was beside him. Like a master workman, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting. I like this part. See, Einstein's God is Hegel's God, impersonal deity that doesn't care about us. But it says, delighting in the sons of men. He became the personal God with us expression. He cares about us. The same joy that created the universe created us and is wrapped around our existence. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Friends, for every truth in God's Word, there is a counterfeit in false religions of the world. The architect and engineer of creation here is called in the Hebrew Amon. 
in Proverbs 8.30. The ancient Egyptian language uses the same ancient root for the chief god of the Egyptian pantheon. Does anybody know who that god is? Amun-Ra. That's right, Amun-Ra. You got it. Ra means the sun, so he was the sun god. Akhenaten, who had actually introduced a form of polytheism into ancient Egypt, worshipped the solar disk as the only god and excluded all the others. It was still the worship of an object in nature, and thus it is not the true religion. But he figured there had to be just one god, so he made the sun his god. Ra is the sun god. The Egyptians worshipped the sun in the sky. Now the sun was made on what day in the Bible? What day was it made on? Fourth day. And we know from our perspective in the creation of our planet... The sun, moon, and stars appear on the same day. We've got to be careful to not assume that our perspective is the universe's perspective. Hebrews 9 says there is a prior created order. So we have to not overstate our positions. But from our perspective, in the biosphere creation of this earth, sun, moon, and stars comes on the fourth day. But what day does the light come on in the book of Genesis? The first day. So you have light without a sun, moon, or star. You have original light without an object. And thus, the light of creation cannot be a created light. The Egyptians worshipped the sun in the sky. The image of Amun-Ra was made to look like a ram with two strong horns. Amun in Egyptian means the hidden one. The Hebrew, the word Zaphon, is another name used for God, the king of the north, the king of the secret place, of the hidden place. Zaphan means to hide. Amun in Egyptian means the hidden one who was the one who created himself, the one who possesses all power, the one who makes the sun to shine and all things live, Amun-Ra. Jesus' face shines like the sun in Revelation 1.16 because Jesus is the true light of the world, not Amun-Ra. Jesus is the son of righteousness in Malachi 4.2 who rises with healing his wings in the destruction of the wicked but the salvation of God's people. He is not Amun-Ra. Jesus is the light of the world in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Because Jesus is the amen, the beginning of the creation of God, not Amun-Ra. Now let me ask you this question. The very first time in the Bible when God speaks, what is it? You know, Genesis 1, when he says, let there be light. Now think about that. The first word of God is the first light from God. Thus, God's word and God's light are one. That's why Psalms 119 says, Thy word is a lamp and a light. Christ is the living word of God. He is the light of the world. The same idea. Before there was a sun, a moon, or a star on the fourth day, friend, Jesus Christ was the Amon, the Amen, the light of the world on the first day and before all time. Why? Because no one is firm, no one is sure, no one is true like Jesus. He is original life, original light. He is God for us. The Messiah, Amon, Amen. No one knows for sure how this universe began. But modern scientists tell us that they believe there is a fundamental limit to how small you can get. Max Planck got the Nobel Prize in Physics for really starting the discipline of quantum mechanics, the study of the super small. That super small pixel of reality that fluctuates like a wave function with potential in the vacuum of nothing. You see, there is energy in the nothing of space. And that fundamental little pixel, like on your computer screen, you have a pixel. Things don't go forever down. There's a limit to how far you go down. 
time and space becomes pixelated, so to speak, in little wave pixels. And that plank unit of space is the smallest point of reality. And from that small piece of nothing, they say, think about that, from that small piece of nothing, they say, that had potential, that was pulsating, something made it explode into a vast universe that we can see in our sky, that we are made of, that we came from that smallness. Now, to be that small is to be humble, to be humble beyond belief. And friend, Jesus started the Messiah journey, the dance of creation with God at the dawn of time. I don't know how it was created. He knows. We're going to be educated on quantum mechanics and macrophysics when Christ comes. And who knows? All our theories are going down for the truth that's bigger than them all. But wherever it was at, wherever the beginning started, when it says, in the beginning God created, Christ was there with his Father God in the dance that made it all happen. Lucifer was the first created being When he opened his eyes at the dawn of time on the holy mountain of God, there was someone else staring back at him with love. He was the first created being, but he was not alone. He came into existence, and there was someone else. Turn to Ezekiel 28, 14, and 15. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version here because it really captures the other option in the Hebrew language, which is reflected in the Greek Old Testament. We often read this verse and it says, you were the anointed guardian cherub. But that's not how my translation reads. So let me show it to you. It says, with an anointed guardian cherub, I placed you. So based on the Revised Standard Reading, you'd have two, not one there, right? With an anointed guardian cherub, I placed you. Now the word anointed in Hebrew is Messiah, Mashiach. With the Messiah cherub, I placed you. Then it says, you were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. Some people say, what does that mean? I believe, based on internal evidences, that this represents worlds. A livable world has a magnetosphere. And our planet on the inside is a cauldron of fire and magnetic forces that creates this protective force field so we don't get fried by the rays of the sun. To move among the stones of fire would imply that you're interplanetary. You move throughout the universe at will. Verse 15, you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. And so this being who was placed with the Messiah cherub went wrong. I said, my translation says, with an anointed guardian cherub, I placed you. The King James versions and others will read, you were the anointed guardian cherub. Now we have a clue as to how it really ought to be translated because there are really two options in the Hebrew language. If you go to the Greek Old Testament, translate 200 years before Christ, it says, with the cherub I placed you, but they left out the word Messiah because they didn't want to attach that to the word cherub, as it is in the Hebrew of Ezekiel 28. The Hebrew word with and the Hebrew word you without the vowel pointing is the same word. And so it could go either way. We don't have vowels in the ancient text. So it can go as the Hebrew has been translated in the King James Version, you are the anointed God and cherub, or just as naturally as the Greek Old Testament illustrates it should be translated, you were with the Messiah or anointed guardian cherub. Now to be fair, I'm sure Lucifer was anointed in some way or another. We're all anointed in the sense that we're set aside for God. But that's different from being the anointed one. He was not the first anointed one. And most importantly, he was not the one who was with God from the dawn of time. The best reading as suggested by the Greek Old Testament would be with the Messiah anointed, Mashiach Karuv, with the Messiah cherub 
covering cherub. I gave you, literally. I gave you to him. I put you in his presence with him. That's the Hebrew. Lucifer means the light bearer. In the Hebrew of Isaiah 14, 12, he's called Hillel ben Shachar. Hillel means the shiny one, ben, son of Shachar, the dawn. He was the son of the dawn. Let me ask you a question. If you're the son of the dawn, do you come before the dawn or after the dawn? Help me with this. You have to come after the dawn. So there'd be the dawn, you'd be the son of the dawn. In Revelation 22:16, Jesus comes at the very end of the book of Revelation. He identifies who he is. And Jesus says, I, John, have sent my angel to you. And then he says, I am the bright and morning star. Does the morning star appear before the dawn or after the dawn? Or both? It can be both. But can it appear before the dawn? Before the sun rises, you can see it. It precedes the dawn, thus it's the morning star. Thank you. So Christ is not the son of the dawn. Christ precedes the dawn. Before there was a light of sun, moon, or star, before time itself began. The sun rises in the east. The east is the metaphor of time. The dawn of time, the close of time. Before there was a dawn of time, there was the bright and morning star who preceded the dawn of time as the light before the day. Jesus meant it when he said, I am the light of the world in John eight twelve. Well, unfortunately, that will be all the time we have for today's message entitled The Messiah Journey, but we do hope that you'll journey with us again the next time we get together to conclude this broadcast. Again, this has been the first portion of The Messiah Journey. Join us again next time with Pastor Michael Oxentanko on the next Reaching Your Heart. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.